Providence, Rhode Island. This is your station, your music, the world famous. WXIN. Providence, Rhode Island. Got it. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Ellens, the show we talk about the latest and greatest happenings in the world of sports here on 90.7 WXIN. Today, I'm joined by Dave Cusack. Josh Percy, AFC the man, and we got a lot to talk about today. We got the Patriots. We have the Red Sox playing rotation. In about 45 minutes, we're going to be joined by Job Gudrid, writer for RealSports101.com. So you can be looking forward to that. And if you want to chime in on any of these topics, don't be afraid to call in at 401-456-9946 or at 401-456-8787. Anyway, though, you are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXI. And with all that, we are going to dive Right in. So, the big story on the mind of, I would say, everybody in Boston sports media, and maybe even to flaunt our own importance, a big story on the mind of most people in sports media is obviously the 42-27 to loss by the New England Patriots last Thursday on the hands of the are we going back to underrated after I finally accepted that? Nope, this is not a team that's ever really going to win anything. My fascination with Alex Smith needs to end Kansas City Chiefs. In a game where the Patriots looked uninspired, All undisciplined. Right, I'm going to stop you. Hang right on, there. not done yet. I'm going to stop. Not you right well there. coached. And really showed a lot of the problems that me and a lot of us, maybe not Josh, talked about for most of the offseason. The New England Patriots played a solid football game for the first three quarters, and then their defense decided to forget how to play in the last fourth quarter. I know it's a fourth quarter game, but looking at this game, I went back and I watched it, and the third, the first three quarters, the team played, I wouldn't say as well as they should have been because Brady's accuracy was really, really off. Their defense, Not converting on multiple their, fourth their, and third yes, and shorts. Their defense collapsed in the fourth quarter. And I would even say in the second half of the third quarter and on. But that team led going into halftime. And then in a blink of an eye, they just – they it's a, it's a four-quarter game. But people are sitting here saying that the Patriots played an entire game. They play, they sucked the entire game, which isn't true. They were My, really no. good on the first drive. I would no. They were actually pretty solid for the first quarter, first two quarters, and even half of the game, third. Quote Josh Percy. It is. It's a four quarter game. And hey, I'm not going to. I'm not going to sit here and Falcons say. Fans. I'm not going to sit here and say that the Patriots rise up. The Patriots sucked, or that they definitely have, you know, issues here. But the thing is that the Chiefs played better than anybody thought they would. Very true. And you know what? Their defense didn't do everything that they normally do. Their defense is very good at special teams. Their special teams and defense are very good at special team touchdowns and forcing turnovers. Yet, Patriots did not turn over the ball once. Oh, well, there's there's some but solace. You know what? For somebody, Brady, who was a below 50% accurate rate, um, I'm glad that he didn't have a day like Andy Dalton. You know, oh, okay. Okay, so now I'm sitting here and comparing okay, it to the okay. rest of the football oh, league this week. Okay, well, I the Patriots. I'm trying and, to hold the Patriots to a higher standard than that because we've all kind of pegged them as a Super Bowl favorite. So I mean, they, I'm going to hold them to a higher 60, standard than Andy 60% Dalton. Sixty percent of their team is brand new. Yeah, they, listen, they, they had a sixty percent turnover this this year. Is that the actual number? I believe it's between fifty and sixty percent. I will buy that number in lieu of not caring because it does go to one of my points. That you're right. 
there is going to be a period of adjustment. Probably one big indicator of that was the Tyreek Hill touchdown. I, no, I would think the one indicator of that was when Cassius Marsh came in to replace well, no, Hightower. No, 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 no. Well, Cassius and Marsh he was... had to pass coverage him. Well, he yeah, is an edge just, well, hang rusher. On, hang on. That's, that's me just accepting that Cassius Marsh is just that quality of player. But a big indicator of it from players who I think are going to be good was... The Tyreek Hill touchdown when Stefan Gilmore and Devin McCourty clearly did not understand who was supposed to be where, and they gave it up. Now, a point I heard a few people making that I kind of agree with that if Logan Ryan had been here, Pretty, I think that he... probably wouldn't have happened, which is not to say that Logan Ryan is better or equal to Stefan Gilmore. I would just like to point Stephon out Gilmore that... Stefan Gilmore is a far superior player. I just want to point out that Logan needs... Ryan okay. isn't, um, how should I say this? I thought that Logan. Either direction no, you're going to go, in but this Patriots, is going to make me mad. In Patriots world, every player is the best player at their mm, position. Not to me. Tom Brady and the Matt Patricia and that defense sucked at the the first eight games last year. They legitimately sucked. Well, Brady didn't play the first no, four no. games. Their so. defense. He legit, went zero no. for zero, which to you is a pretty good. The Patriots TD defense sucked for the first eight weeks last year, and then they kicked it into high gear. But the thing is, Logan Ryan mm-hmm. isn't this some star-studded No, 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 you're right. You're right. I'm not making, trust me, and I, will, I, guarantee I will sit you, here and tell you that Logan Ryan is. You take Logan Ryan, you take Stefan Gilmore out and Logan Ryan in, they still get burned by Tariq no, Hill. I, I'm just saying on that specific play. No, I, I'm telling let you, me finish, that let specific me play. You saw a lapse in communication, which, to your point, is what you're going to see in the early goings when you bring in new players, regardless of if they are far superior Pro Bowl caliber players, you're going to see a different level of communication bet- than from that to two guys who have been playing together since they were at Rutgers. It's all I'm saying is you're right that that is part of the, that is, you know, if you're trying to make a list of excuses for this game, the turnover, the new players, the, tur- the, tur- the roster turnover, the guys having to learn how to communicate, how to make those nonverbal cues to each other to just know subconsciously where each other were going to be, that's going to be a part of it. I'm just saying that that was a play where communication was an issue. I also think that a lot of people had too high of hopes for this game. They thought that New England was going to come here and blow I don't think Kansas that that City. was unfair to have those hopes because this team— I, I do. I went in there saying that this Kansas City team was a playoff team last year. Did you pick them to win? I did not. Did you pick them to win by 15? I did not. Okay, then. That's what I'm saying. I think they're extremely underrated. They were actually like nine-point underdogs, which is insane given the fact that, yes, the Patriots are Super Bowl champions. But the thing is that the Kansas City Chiefs' defense has never been a step in the mud. No. Their defense has always been the best thing about their team. It's their offense that is having an issue with, you know, scoring. It was always their defense that people were afraid of. But now you got Alex Smith, who has a legit target. Alex Smith played no, the game Alex of his life. No, Alex Smith has a legit target in Tariq Hill, not not Jeremy Macklin. Jeremy Macklin out there. Okay. You don't. Top, you have a legit top twenty young, wide receiver, but whatever. I don't. I don't think so mm-hmm. anymore. Okay. Not not okay. in, whatever. I can. Whatever. You whatever. Want, whatever. I will go no, through no, and no, name no. twenty wide receivers. You know There's a we, reason no. he's playing for you know the Baltimore what? freaking we Ravens. We don't need to go down. Okay, fine. You know, we're not going to go down the Jeremy Macklin route. I don't no. care. I'm not invested in that. I'm sitting here saying Continue. that this offense, this under this Chiefs team, is extremely underrated. Mm-hmm. I thought that they were going to put up a fight. I thought Brady was going to play a little bit better. I thought everything was going to play a little bit better. But that Chiefs team is not was not going to be easy to beat. I expected it to be. A three-point game 
mm-hmm. and I thought it could have gone either way. No, no, no. I thought I'm not going to say that I thought the Patriots were going to. That's why. That's why I said them. that. No, that's why I said that a majority of this league went out here and saying that the Patriots. The, heck, even before the season season even started, they're like 16 and 0, 18 and 0 Patriots. Well, you know what? Karma bites back, and they're like, "No, nah, we're just going to end that right there." That's why no. person perfectly avoided trying to talk about the 16 but what i'm saying is that the patriots are at this level of expectations where even if they fall a little bit which is probably still above the league expectations for teams people go into a panic for three quarters the patriots played average football a good enough did to beat them. Did not play to their level. They w- they played good enough to beat they the Chiefs. They did not play the level that we expect this team to play or that we expect this team to play going. And there were concerns. Everything that we thought might be a concern going into There's this game. There's multiple teams out there that had very high expectations yeah, I don't that care about did them. not play. I don't care about them. That doesn't mean to anything to me. Anyth- I'm to not going to sit here and tell you that but what the I'm sky is, is that falling, that the Patriots suck now, or that I'm they're not. That Hang on. Have, let me finish. Ha- it seems let me like finish. you have these unreal. I don't. Unre- I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I think they're the Super Bowl favorite. You seem like you got this covered but I'm going to but what I'm saying come back in for the Sergio dip takes later oh I will all I'm saying is that it seems like you especially and a lot of the league teams around the league have positivity you have this expectation that the Patriots are going to win and there's no other teams in there. I can give you no, five or I six don't think teams that, that... I don't think that. No, you think that, that the Patriots are better than the Chiefs. They are better than the Chiefs. that the Patriots should be and are the clear favorite and win the Super Bowl this year. Yes, you they, just are the, said they that. are the clear favorite. Yep, in my in, mind, they are there are five or six game. teams out there that could beat the Patriots. Okay, but are they the favorite? Who's your, I, I would who's, say, Josh, who's your favorite to win the I Super was Bowl gonna say, before honest, last night? Before I mean, last yes, uh, the Patriots were, because they're the defending Super Bowl exactly, kids. And they added, I'd be an absolute added, freaking moron not yeah, to say that. And they that. added Pro Bowl caliber players on both sides of the ball. So when they go into opening week after we had what was kind of a weird, concerning preseason and training camp period, where a lot of weird things became concerns, and a lot of things we don't usually talk about with this team became concerns, and then they come out and they lose to the Kansas City Andy Reid-led Chiefs Yes, see, I'm going to sad, sit here and no, say that. Huh, that's weird. That shouldn't have happened. This game should see, not have gone the, the way thing. it did. This is where you're wrong. Where am I wrong? You don't think very highly of the Kansas City Chiefs. I think highly of them. I told you. No, I you the don't. Chiefs no, the way you lo- just said that, you said they came out there and lost to the Andy Reid yes, Chiefs. Like yes, they're playing the freaking Scott team. Tolson's Colts. No, I'm talking about them because what they are is they are a good, not great team. They are a good Above that, divisional Did you know that I had the Kansas City Chiefs winning that division and potentially being the number two team? Sure. I don't care. That's They're a division round caliber team. I like the Chiefs. I like Alex Smith. I don't love Alex Smith. I think they have a great defense. They have a decent offense. They are a good team. They are a 10 and 6, 11 and 5 team. The difference between me and you is that I can see that Mm -hmm. there are teams out there that are growing. I that see that can too. Beat the Patriots. I think that there so are good I, teams in the league. So I, I was never sold at that Patriots sixteen and zero. I was no, never. I, wasn't either. I, I was never sold at happen. one loss. I was never sold at two losses. I said they're going to lose three or four games this year. I it's would gonna go happen. For, I would go. I wouldn't go to twelve. But sure, I didn't think they're going to go undefeated. I don't find that if by anything that it's such a fluky thing to go undefeated. But yeah, they're still the best team in the league, or they were. Or I can reevaluate it now. But going into this season, they were the 
best team in the league in my eyes so when they go and lose to a team in pretty embarrassing fashion that I saw as inferior to them be that a Super Bowl team losing to a division maybe sneak into the AFC championship game caliber team yes that's a concern because you just lost to a team that you were the favorite against so we need to talk about that and what went into that and what the problems are with this team and how the problems that we but it seems like to me is that the Patriots if you made this team in Madden this team is a Super Bowl 16. Well, no, not no, Madden because no. they don't have the coaching, but anyway. No, but what I'm saying is you have, the, you have the, if you make it a simulated, you're not controlling this team. Well, no, that's just New England coach. Yes, it's just the new, because Belichick's, <laughs> Cause not, Belichick's in not in Madden. No, but what I'm saying is if you put these players on the team, you have a B plus or more at each position. I would not go, I would not go that far. Well, the almost. B plus at every, no. Yes, no, I, not, I, no. not on the D have line. You, have you not seen, on the D line? Have you secondary, seen secondary? Sure, because I'm pretty I've sure Trey, Ma, Trey, Flowers, Trey Flowers. I'm pretty sure Malcolm Brown and Allen yep. Branch are 80 and up. Yep. So that's three that's of your three four. Guys. That's, three of your and four. And two of them are D tackles. Hey, wait a minute. The Patriots and two of them are D tackles. Three players. Yeah. So if they just did that, then there you go. Yeah, and then you saw last night they were able to create zero no, pressure on the quarterback. But still. What I'm saying is... And weren't able to stop the run. 90, Kareem Hunt ran for 148 yards. Which, by the way, thank you for winning me my fantasy game, Kareem Hunt. But, but who oh, I started because I knew that this front seven sucks. And he was going to get the bulk of the carry. But, but anyway. what I'm saying here is that we all knew about the Patriots' defense being a question mark. And what the I'm saying is... What, I'm, what I was trying to get the point on is on paper, this team is amazing. But we have yep. seen from time and time again that... Just because you're on, you're good on paper doesn't mean you will be good in real life. Okay, that is a hot that can. So speak before this true. season, Josh, were you sitting here and telling me that the Patriots weren't going to be good this year, that they weren't the Super Bowl favorite? Is that, I, no, that you on, no, no, you weren't on here because you were on the show. Were you thinking that? So I was the, thinking they're sitting there. I go, it's. I thought it was weird that Belichick and Kraft are making all these strong moves and signing these players that they wouldn't normally sign, trading for players that they wouldn't normally trade for. They're normally those type of guys where you go and get a mediocre type guy for a cheap long-term deal. Mm -hmm. That's the th I would right, never expect again, them also to been, go out there and well, also grab... they've been down in spending. They've been at the bottom of the league in spending the last exactly. couple of years. So eventually it adds up and you have the ability to go So I'm sitting here, moves. I go, it's weird that they're just adding all these guys. Brandon Cooks, Stefan Gilmore. Yes, I remember um, you hating these moves. No, I'm not hating them. They're great moves. But what I'm saying is, just because you put all-star caliber players on the same team, doesn't mean they're going to mesh well. Right. You and could have God himself as the coach. and We do. You could, yeah. What I'm saying is, you have the best coach in the league. and Wasn't the best coach in the league on Thursday. Well, Matt Patricia's we defense get, we got We will get burned. into the coaching. Oh, I mean, we'll get into the coaching on both sides of the but ball. But what I'm saying is, I'm not really. With. I know Bill Belichick does is the head coach, but again, Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia are, you know, calling those defensive yeah, sets. And I'm not. And I'm. And they are very plays. subject to criticism too. I mean, the offensive plays go, I think went fine. I don't. Oh, I disagree. We can go level by level about this. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't have gone for all those fourth downs, but again, Brady's accuracy was off. Not even that. What the? Okay, and let's let let's. Let, now that we've accepted that, I don't know, you love the Chiefs. I oh, no, I'm not saying that okay. I love the right, Chiefs. Right, okay. I'm saying is that there's a lot of teams out there that people are looking at and they're like, they can't do it. I go, this team, they, no, they have the potential. Good, no, there are other good that the, teams in the league. This is a, you'll the, quote me right here. The league I think is watered there are down at least from what it's six in the past. teams that could go on to win the Super Bowl this year. At least six.
Oh yeah, but that's the same every year. But six or seven, I would even say that. Like I even said that there's like twelve or thirteen teams in the AFC that could go above five hundred and fight for a playoff spot. And then you're looking over here at the AFC, and I'm like, you literally only have six. Yeah. Anyway, so no, I'm not gonna disagree with you. I'm not gonna say the Patriots. But what I'm saying is that the Kansas City Chiefs could easily go thirteen and three, eleven and four. I wouldn't go that far. Eleven, eleven, twelve and four. Twelve and four. I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, they're a good team. You're right. They're an eight and eight team. No, I'm not saying that. I said, I said before. I said five minutes ago they're a ten and six, eleven and five division round team. Unless suddenly Alex Smith has turned a corner and the way he played last night is the new norm for him, which I guess we can't entirely rule out. But I don't know what was that a sixth, seventh. All-time 300-yard passing game. But anyway, anyway. Maybe he's finally got that confidence yeah, maybe. to be able to throw that long I ball. I mean, I've said for a long time that Alex Smith could be a lot better than he is if Alex Smith just let himself be. But anyway, I won't get into that. I won't get into anything. What I get into is this game, what happened in it, what contributed to the Patriots playing at the level that they did, and the easy low-hanging fruit, the thing that I was criticizing all throughout the offseason was, where's the pass rush going to come from? And you really didn't see that. There wasn't a lot of it. Hightower went down. That really killed them. Outside of Trey Flowers, who was going to be able to get pressure, they weren't really able to get any pressure from the interior. Well, which how is, many? When was the last time that a Bill Belichick's defense c- could actually get pressure? Chandler Jones, 2014. Okay. 2016, when they had the number one rated defense in the league. Well, I they did, this no, 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 just because they're number one ranked defense doesn't mean that they, they can get they to the quarterback. No, it means they that they're it means that they're stopping they the pass. Year. It means yeah. they're stopping the rush. Yeah, Th- they had a they lot could, more pass. They could have one freaking sack all year and they could still be the top defense. You want to know why? That doesn't points take allowed. Points, any, okay. yeah, fair, points fair, allowed. Fair. Okay, but last year's defense had a lot more guys that I could look at before the season started and went, yeah, they can probably get. Four or five sacks from these guys. Jabal Sheard. Chris Yeah, Long, but then you saw how, how, how Flowers, overpaid they Rob all Ninkovich. got. Yeah, but still, I'm not saying that they should Rob have kept... Rob Ninkovich is also like 40 years old. I'm not old. saying that they should have kept these guys, but I'm just saying going into the year, they had guys who I went, yeah, they can get some pass rush from these guys. And right now, I don't know, outside of Trey Flowers, who are their outside... In Hightower, I guess, who are their outside guys who you're looking at and going, oh yeah, they could be able to get some sacks from these guys. Some of these guys are going to finish the, the, the season with five, six sacks. Lawrence Guy. Lawrence Guy. Yeah. You'll have at least five from Allen Branch and Malcolm no, Brown. No, you're not. Are you kidding me? How many career sacks does Allen Branch have? He's a D-tackle. He's not this big-time pass-rushing D-tackle. All he's got to do is get past that front center. Yeah, and did you see him do that last night? No. No. Exactly. Kansas Look, City I like Allen Branch. Allen Branch is probably their third, fourth best player on defense last year going into the Super Bowl run. But still, he's not. Again, he's not really a pass rusher. That's he's my just point. there to swallow that you run You just up. said, though, that he's going to get five or six sacks. I said five or six between Malcolm Brown and Allen Branch. Okay, I didn't hear that. Okay. I didn't say that okay. each of them. I said combined. Career sacks, Allen Branch, since two in 10 years has... Ten and a half. Okay. And last year he had one and a half, which was not a career high. His career high is three in 2011. All right. So he has the ability to have like he, two or three sacks. In Seattle. Well, okay. One year when, you know, they had one of the all-time secondaries. But, which mind you, the Patriots have the opportunity to have. But I'm just saying, and that was kind of what I was saying. I was saying. And Malcolm oh, Brown's a young dude. I think yeah, that he's he. He's okay. He's a run stopper. He's a decent run stopper. Yeah. Malcolm Brown is and a again, de- but he's not Aaron. He's not a pass rusher. Pass no. rushing interior players are some of the most highly valued players in the league right now. 
So I'm not. But what I'm saying is that that between those two guys, you got at least five or six sacks. I'm not sure about that, but sure, fine. I said at least fine between two of your starting four D linemen. Fine, you have five sacks. Yeah, I mean, I think Trey Flowers can do at least ten. Yeah, Trey Flowers, I think has the I opportunity. I think Lawrence Guy, depending on if the get uh, again, did he impress no. you last night on Thursday? Uh, nobody did. Exact. So I don't know. He's a new guy. Exactly. I'm not going to sit here two and say weeks that. Ago, two weeks ago, I sat here with David Cusack, who just stepped out because, well, we're kind of just dominating the discussion. We, I asked him, and we both talked about this. We listed what players on the in the front seven do you emphatically trust? And I was only able to come up with Trey Flowers, Alan Branch, Malcolm Brown to play his role, Hightower. And then it went to, you know. Again, Dave, Hightower doesn't rush as often as people he think he does. He should rush more this season. He should. And that, and that was something but, I brought up to see that Hightower should probably play D-end a lot more. But did Dave. you see what happened when he did rush into the quarterback? He got hurt. He got hurt. Well, that's kind of not true because he gets hurt doing everything. Well, the thing is, if he, <laughs> he dropped, also gets hurt playing, if he dropped linebacker. back into coverage and he's not a great coverage guy. Ah, but the thing is, it keeps him healthy, and he actually he's not as bad as people put him up to be. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. He is a versatile player, but I was saying, you know, maybe they need, but as I'm saying that at the point where I'm like, okay, maybe you need Hightower to play DN more like he did in the Super Bowl on the strip sack of Matt Ryan. That's one. Yeah, of I know. He has a cup. I mean, you're, Dante Hightower yeah. will rush the quarterback if he's a couple times a game. But I'm just, and when he does, he usually gets a sack. So again, yeah. you got Dante Hightower. Right. Probably, he could give you 10 sacks yeah, a season. He was one of my four guys who I listed, but then you need to rely Between, on David Harris again, being able to play the Mike spot yes. or Landon Roberts, which. I don't want to take away from David. He's had a great camp. Everybody said he's picked up the defense. But he's but a guy again, with a lot of wear and tear, an older guy. I'm going to so say the same thing about David Harris that I did about, I'm going to say about Cassius Marsh. And, and he's definitely and, not a pass rusher or a coverage yeah. guy. And Dorsett is that. Okay, Dorsett. Dorsett and Cassius Marsh had literally been part of the team yeah, for and four I'm not, days. I'm not going to sit here and go, Cassius not, Marsh sucks. But also, he's, I don't know. He they 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 traded for him to yeah. rush the passer. Yeah, but then again, but he they has, had to he's put, a guy who has four career sacks. So I'm not exactly sitting here like Cassius. Also, Mar- I'm I'm guessing that he didn't play much. I think he was right. a rookie in 2016 or 2017. No, he's been in the league for I believe actually longer than you. Think. He's been in the league for three, four years. Well, I I'm pretty sure he played with Seattle the last yeah. two years, and the, I think that's it because he's still on his rookie deal. He is on. Let me let me. How long has he actually been? Because I read this the other day. He was drafted in 2014, so he's been in the league. Three seasons. Okay, three. So this is yeah. his fourth season in the league, so and he, he has four he, career sacks. Okay, so he's playing in Seattle, where in 2014 they had that amazing defense, right? So right, he didn't get much time playing. Now here's and my he's one playing, counter. He's playing okay. behind Michael Bennett, You're fair. who is not going to step off that field. That's fair. So but, he's playing in a defense setting where they were pretty much already set on defense. He was just a alternate. So he now, wasn't getting the still, same four amount career of sacks. I, and he no. could have played four freaking snaps. Okay, but Josh, to your point on that, here's the one thing I've been saying to a lot of Patriots fans. Whenever, really, whenever they trade for, for a nobody from any team, everybody likes to say around here, including me, really, that or a lot of the fans. Oh, they Bi- see something that Bill nobody see- else does. Right, but I will say this to counter that. The Seahawks have been the Patriots' contemporaries in that regard for the last four or five years. They've been another team that's been astoundingly good at getting talent from late-round picks undrafted free agents, cast off some other team. So I'm just saying that, I don't know, if Pete Carroll and all them down there didn't see that, then maybe there's just nothing there, which I'm not going to say is definitely. But again, my counterpoint is that defensive line was pretty much set. That's fair, but still, he wasn't able to break the rotation. Did you see how many, like, 
Well, it's kind of hard when you have Michael Bennett. Yeah, you're right, but also you're not, know, you're not going to beat out Michael Bennett. Yeah, Cassius Marsh should go on the other there. side a couple of plays. Cassius Marsh should go out there and have 15 sacks in the preseason in in Seattle. He didn't. I'm saying he could. And you know what? Seattle's still not starting him. No, they're, they're going to let him no, play. No, they won't because they yeah, have. They, oh, their, has, the, sorry, sorry, I've been wrong. He has three sacks in his career. But what I'm saying is... Right, but there's another side of the D-line, and you still rotate. Michael Bennett doesn't play every single snap, and they have another side of the D-line. If you have a guy who can the rush thing the passer, is, you're going to put him out some if you think he's something. And once again, they're good at that. They're just they're good at that. So I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Cassius Marsh is the answer. I wanted them to make a move. I'm glad that they made, it a, they made a move. But I don't know. Maybe the greedy kind of not looking at it the Patriots way. I wanted them to get somebody who I felt was a little more established. Or I felt was a little more talented. And right. Because this team definitely needs to use another first round pick. Not to a first grab a, round pick. But I don't know. You're not going to get anybody established at a position that is in high need in a, the league. You can get guy. I'm sure that if you are willing to trade a fifth or a sixth round pick, you can get some overpriced guy in the last year of his deal somewhere who has more than three sacks to his name. I don't know, but point is I'm also not going to sit here and tell you that Cassius Marsh is the answer, especially after he played last night. I'm also not going to write him off. Maybe it's because I just think he looks cool with all his tattoos, and I like that he's a big magic player. I don't know, but I'm just... I'm, I'm all, he's also He also had four days to learn the system. Yeah, and that's why what's that? I'm not going to write him off, but also, I don't know, my front seven questions definitely aren't answered. Is all I'm saying. I still don't know. I didn't know where the pass rush was going to come from I think coming into this thing, game, and I'm leaving it. Still not sure where it's going to come from. Out of everything that the Patriots have wrong, the one thing that's going to kill them this year is their injuries. Yep, and that's the next thing. Yes, Thursday night, and I really hate how we have to talk about this six days after, which is why I did a Patriots postgame show on 90.7 WXIN after the game. Jake Elmsley, Joseph Caperta, Bancraft Love. Anyway. Bancraft Love. <laughs> The other big, something that was kind of surprising to me, which I don't know, maybe we all know something, how much they really seemed to miss Julian Edelman on the inside. Yeah, of course they, they did. They really missed that level of, look, I don't know, maybe I was guilty of it. Julian Edelman Third was, down and five, yeah. you're sitting there, you're in the shotgun, and you're looking around, who does Brady go to it's Julian when he needs, a, he needs a play? Goal line, third yep. down, you need to pass, Yep. who do you go to? It's Julian Edelman. And he I'm, went to Danny Amendola most of the night, yeah, and, and you it, know what? It worked, it worked until, until Danny Amendola went down on a punt return, which we can talk about why Danny Amendola was out there returning punts in a little bit, but he went to Danny Amendola. But then you saw when Danny Amendola went down, this the is play how, calling yeah. became atrocious on offense. Well, they didn't really have any other choice. Did th- did they did not need to go vertical and take deep shots. Every play, though, was basically what well, they were doing. By the time Danny Amendola went down, I think they were already down by a couple scores. They right? were down by a score or two, but still, they ended the game down 15. They had opportunities, and they were getting the ball at the beginning of the fourth quarter, but they were only down seven, only down 10. They did not need— Yeah, what I'm saying is, like, I don't know. When they finished the third quarter, I think they were still— because I think Gillingsley they might have been scored. Up. They might have been up by three points. Yeah, the point but, is they didn't have yeah. to take these deep, which is not the way that this team plays. It's well, like, I think now that they have Brandon Cooks with a speedster out there, which ver- they have that which vertical granted element. Tom Brady's accuracy was insanely off. Yes, because Brandon Cro- Cooks had had made a separation on multiple of those. Not throws. as much as I would have liked to have seen well, him do. You're up against Marcus Peters, You're, a top Well, Marcus corner, Peters so. was more locking down a side of the field. He was more on Chris Hogan. Marcus Peters mainly plays, I believe, the right side of the field most of the game. So you can send Cooks away from Marcus Peters. But I don't, I'm not saying Cooks plays so, badly. Hey, hey, we don't know. I mean, 
once you lose Edelman and you lose Amendola, you Andy Reid could have sat there and be like, hey, Peters, just, just shadow Cooks. Yeah, but that really wasn't what the game plan was for them. But anyway, they lost, and they have that vertical element that they haven't had in a while, Which so we expect to see more shots, but there was way too much of that in the fourth quarter. It's like when Amendola went down, they went, oh, well, we can't play between the hashes anymore, which... I don't know. Well, they did for the first three quarters. Yeah, they and did. And then when Amendola working, went down, they went. No, nope, they don't. No they more. didn't have anybody else. Do they? Do they not have anybody else? Though you can send Hogan in the slot. You can send. Oh, Co- right. Because you, you definitely send, need to get. You definitely need to leave these wide receivers out to get their. You can their send nuts Cooks. You need to out. send Cooks in. Well, yeah, the Patriots aren't going to just go. Oh well, the rest of the year nobody's going to play in the slot. No, they could send Cooks in this. They could send Rex Burkhead, who everybody's been telling us all offseason. Oh, Rex Burkhead can play. Wide receiver, basically. You can send James White. That's what these guys. You can send D. Okay, well, not Deion Lewis, but you get the. You have guys you could have sent in the middle of the field they, a couple of times. You weren't just bombing the ball to their fill up biggest their set strength. Be, has now become their biggest weakness, which is their wide receivers. I don't know about. I don't know if it's still a weakness per se. They still have quality guys. Amendola's concussed, so he's probably only gonna be out for a couple of weeks, maybe. If even though he hasn't even been ruled out, they still have the long week. But I'm just saying, even if Amendola's out, the we're one just thing about everybody the was playing. talking about was this offense. Yeah, and, and the then, play calling by McDaniel's and, play, and, and players have now started to drop like flies. Malcolm Mitchell, Danny yep. Amendola, Julian Edelman. Who knows how long we have Gronk for? Yep, but and we'll get to Gronk in a little bit, but just I don't know. I'm just saying that the play calling, especially down the stretch in this game, I think Josh McDaniels was, just whipped out his iPad. And he's like, "Let's play some Madden." Basically, streak, streak, yeah, streak. Basically, that's what I'm saying, and that's streak. not, and that's not who this team is. Oh man, coverage. Now nah, let's send him. Oh, yeah. zone coverage. Ah, now nah, let's send him. Four em. verticals, but hey, not Cooks. throwing it to the tight end down the seam, Cooks. which is what you're supposed to do every time. Run. Yeah, no, that's my point. They were doing that, and that's not how this team works. And I think they're still trying to figure out the offense. Yeah, but that's not their like that's not their offense. <laughs> like taking a bunch of vertical. That's not the page. Someone just I'm saying. And but obviously, they're trying to adjust to the lack of the big balls of Julian Edelman. In yeah, that but slot. still, they still have guys who they can who are good enough that they don't have to go. Oh well, no more slot between the hashes. Forget about it. It's just a void. We're I just going to be the Golden try State Warriors use, and only play from outside. I like, think they're going to try Dorsett in the slot next. Um, or, I would say that Cooks would be the more likely guy if him and Dorsett to go to this, just because from everything that I've heard about Dorsett, he has a fairly low football IQ, and Cooks has kind of had the whole offseason to pick up the offense. So I would think that Cooks would be the guy who would be more right. likely to send, go to the slot. Send your number one receiver in the slot after two sure. of yours goes sure. down. Yeah. yeah, why not? Smart. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, you've got to play a guy there. I'm not saying you send him there every play, but I would say that I don't think you would That's see Dorsett. That's the thing that they're missing, because Edelman can go, would go there every play. Right, but they still have guys who they can send there. And like I said, I said it was going to be a process before this game of finding guys. See if Burke, give Burke, Burke had a couple of shots there, give White, maybe play Cooks a little there, play Hogan a little also, there. Also, having but this many running backs really there. just piss me off. It doesn't piss me off, because it gives them, because if they use them, but they weren't utilizing a lot of you these know, guys. You know, if they the, didn't sign Burkhead, they could have signed another receiver. If no, they didn't Burkhead sign White. Head, they could have, you know, if they didn't have all these, they didn't want to keep five freaking running backs on but the, these running on the backs team. Austin Carr holes. could still be on the roster. Eh, Austin Carr, whatever. But these running backs, 
the way they were utilizing these running backs was pissing me off. That's I, the thing. They're not utilizing them. And that comes down to the play. These players, ha- they have guys who can play these roles, but the play calling wasn't good enough. The utilization of these players, we should have seen more of Burkhead. It's like you turned on Madden and you put up the running back substitution to 100%, so you're swapping them all out every play. They weren't even there. They weren't, like, why wasn't Burkhead in the fourth quarter playing a little bit in the slot? If, once again, they talked about him as a guy who can play in the slot. They said, oh, he could be the number three receiver on a different team. I don't, I don't want to talk about this anymore. This is this is this is this which is, is fine because we will take a quick break here when we come back at the we are right now at the halfway point of the three of the four o'clock hour when we come back job gudrid of real sports 101.com will be joining us we've been talking a lot of patriots so we'll get to some red Sox later on but anyway you are listening to the stadium experience with jake elmsley on 90.7 wxin we will be right back in just a minute Build a better tomorrow by planting trees. When you support Tree City USA, you're helping the environment and your community. Visit the Arbor Day Foundation website, arborday.org, and find out which trees to plant where and how to contact your state forester for community forestry assistance. Help the Arbor Day Foundation plant more trees across the nation. To contact the Rhode Island Division of Forest Environment, go to arborday.org. Okay, fellas, thanks for checking out our membership meeting for the unstoppable IOTA Gamma Kappa fraternity. Candidates will be notified around mid-semester. Peace, peace. Have a good day. Yo, can you believe that white boy showed up? Who, Justin? Yeah. I mean, he seems pretty cool. He's doing a lot of work in the community. He gets decent grades. Oh, yeah, I played ball with him the other day. Old boy got a mean crossover. Now, see, that's what I'm talking about. White people think that just because they can rap or hoop or something, they could be one of us. Now, what would happen if one of us went across campus and tried to join one of their fraternities? <laughs> Tell you what, it'll be a cold day and you know where before I let a white boy into this frat. You feel me? Nah, Trey. I don't feel you. The first step in fighting racial prejudice is taking a stand. Imagine the power of one voice. Find your voice at freedomcenter.org. A message from the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center and the Ad Council. Up to date on current events, just want to hear yourself speak? Then join WXIN's News Talk Sports Department, and you can talk local news, road events, sports, whatever you want. Attend meetings at Horace Van 186 on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. or stop by the station anytime to get your slot today. For the best local pizza, look no further than Big Tony's Pizzeria at 525 Eaton Street, Providence, featuring daily specials and free delivery until 4 a.m. Get a whole pie or just a slice at the home of the Gangsta Rap. So call in at 401-490-0000 for a slice of the local favorite, Big Tony's. Often imitated, never duplicated. The more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is 90.7 WXIN. 
stadium experience, Jake Elmsley. Josh Percy has stepped out for a little bit, but that's all right because we are now being joined here by friend of the show, Job Godred, writer for realsports101.com. How you doing, Job? I'm good. How you doing, Jake? Good, good, good. Uh, so if you if you were listening to the show or you've been listening to the show and you want to call and talk about any of these things, don't forget to call in at 401-456-9946 or 401-456-8787. It's been all Patriots so far. It's probably going to keep on being all Patriots with, once again, Job Goodred, friend of the show, um, part, part-time co-host. But, yeah, we've been talking about the Patriots. Me and Josh Percy were just – and I was specifically just harping on the play calling in the game and the utilization of the slot men, but – I guess we'll just ask you, Joe. What are your, what are your main takeaways from Thursday uh, so night's game? It's, it's funny to hear you say that because that was my my number one takeaway was it was not a good game for Matt Patricia and it was not a good game for the Patriots coaching staff in general. Um, Kareem Hunt, those are the two words that really stuck in my head on Thursday night. Um, I had no idea who he was going into the game. I had him on my fantasy team in the flex. Back, um, I did not have him playing. I actually lost my fantasy this week because of him. <laughs> but he was wide open all day in the mm-hmm. game, and we couldn't seem to stop his run. We had a um, and Tyreek Hill, the uh, the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, was also wide open. There were so many holes in our defense this week. Yep. Um, uh, the main one that I that I come back to is in the third quarter with about nine minutes left. Uh, it was about a forty yard reception to Tyreek Hill. Oh, it was the, more than right that. Side of the field. Oh, more than um, that. Talk well, about the touchdown. When he caught the ball was at 40 yards. Yeah, when he caught the ball was at 40 yards, and then he had 25 yards of open field for the touchdown because he was wide open. There was no defensive coverage whatsoever. Um, they kicked the hole perfectly, but uh, that really shocked me. It's not something you really see is to get the Patriots uh, out-coached. You know, we've been outplayed before, but outcoached is not something we usually see. Outcoached. Uh, it was a bad game. Outhustled, too. It seemed exactly. like. Outhustled was part of it, too. It seemed like they uh, were not, like, just into the game, which. Not at all. Which kind of brings me to a point of maybe something I kind of thought was, you know, maybe this team, and, you know, we typically think of the Patriots as a team that they don't let any outside noise in. They don't hear it. They move on. They don't pay attention to it. They move on to the next game. But, you know, is it completely unrealistic to say that maybe this team kind of bought into their own hype a little bit? Obviously, during the season, you had Julian Edelman coming out and saying, oh, we don't even talk about 16-0, and but doesn't mean that they're not hearing it. So I'm not saying that it's going to ruin or that they're arrogant or they have big heads, but maybe they were buying into their own hype a little bit and maybe going into the game, they're like, oh, we can we can do this. We're the most talented team in the league. We can kind of coast, which is a very unpatriot-like thing to think, but is it unrealistic thing that maybe that was part of their mindset? I don't think it's unrealistic. Uh, I think it's actually a possibility. Unfortunately, um, that's the, if that's the case, that's unfortunate for the Patriots, and I'm sure that uh, Coach Belichick will have something to say to them about that in the locker room. Oh. We won't see it, obviously, because the way that he reacts to the media, we'll never see what he says. Yeah, hopefully but, it'll be in Do Your Job um, 3. Hopefully, yeah, exactly. Hopefully there's a part three to that speech. Um, but I actually think that this is more the Patriots are feeling the loss of Julian Edelman in the leadership column. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, a, little, a little bit more so than even on the field, because – Tom Brady can throw the football. You know, we saw him throw an 80-yard pass to Brandon Cook. He can still throw the football. He can still perform. But um, if he's not going to uh, produce at the same level without Julian Edelman, we're going to be in trouble because we need that underneath kind of presence in between, in between down 
mm-hmm. guy in order to open up the offense. So if we go deep every single time, Brady's going to throw picks, which is a very uncharacteristic yep. Patriots Absolutely. style of play. Um, you know, they play the safe game and they eat up yards slowly and, and in big chunks on occasion. Um, obviously, with the addition of Brandon Cooks, it's a Randy Moss-like addition trying to add that deep threat that we haven't had in a couple years. But without Julian Edelman, we're in trouble. And hopefully, my hope is that Chris Hogan can step up and be that guy in the, in the producing and getting the numbers. The problem is going to be that leadership gap. Because yep. I know that Tom Brady's a leader. But um, Julian Edelman, you know, when, he, when, Ju- when, you know, when Tom Brady guy. is off co- talking to the coaching staff, Edelman's been the guy who's in the huddle pumping guys up. And listen, I Edelman, think Edelman is the guy who links the players to the coaches more so than Brady. Brady seems to be a little bit more aloof of it. You know that he's intense. You know, you yeah. see the intensity that Brady plays with. But Julian Edelman seems to have a little bit more of, a, uh, of an impact on, especially on the young guys, on their on their effort level, because the effort level that Julian Edelman shows is always 110 percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and without him, we're gonna, we're going to struggle in that department. Yeah, and you saw the first, you know, two and a half quarters of the game. It was Danny Amendola who was the guy they were going to on the inside, which, you know, was an easy thing to assume that they were going to do. But after he went down, returning punts, which I was teasing about that earlier, but yeah, and then early I was teasing about my thoughts on that, but which I just think is, I get that Chris Ho- that Chris Hogan, that Cyrus Jones is gone, that a lot of the guys that have been pegged to do that role are gone, but... You're gonna put this guy back there who became who is seemingly a lot more he's, crucial. He's now, he's now a crucial piece of your offense. You know, Danny and Danny Amendola was always a go-to guy for Tom Brady. At least in the playoffs, he needed a big third down. Um, but now we're we're in trouble without Julian Edelman. And if Danny Amendola is out for any length of time or yeah. can't perform as well as he as he does on a normal basis with Brady, we're in trouble because yeah, this and you, core is deep. So you're gonna and you're gonna but, put him out there returning punts, or even if you're going to do that because you just really don't feel like you have a guy, tell him not to run it out. Just yeah, t- just tell him, me. fair it's catch it. Me. Fair yeah, catch it, or catch it. or run to the outside. Really, and that's not, a, that's not a Patriots way to play. I understand that but, Belichick likes having 110% out of all his players, but you got to adapt. That's an, unnecess- that's an unnecessary risk. You know, when, when you're playing, and Emadol is almost done. Uh, he's got maybe two or three more years. Of- yeah. You know, Six weeks of football. Yeah, and because he's proven he's not a guy who can take a full season of punishment anyway. No, yes, he can't. He can't. And, and that's not an indictment on him. That's just who he is. So yeah, you, you got it. You got to take care of the And I, you know, it's but then with that after Amendola went down, and this was something I was talking about in the last segment with Josh Percy, when Amendola went down, they completely went away from the inside of the field, which was well, yeah, and I, I, bizarre I, I, I to see. What? Uh, seeing that happen didn't shock me at all, actually. It, uh, when I saw that happen, I was a little bit, I was a little bit uh, impressed with Belichick because I thought that he realized that if he keeps throwing guys in the underneath routes who don't know how to catch the football and be as dynamic, then he had to go to the outside, and that was an adjustment I thought. Him and Josh McDaniels made pretty well. The unfortunate fact But it is didn't work. We couldn't produce. It we didn't work produce. at all. And after, you know, two, three drives of it, though, you you need to and go back. They changed it back up. But they didn't. And you say that, you know, they don't have guys that can be dynamic in there, but they do. They have guys on this offense who they don't have an Edelman on there, but they have guys who can be productive from that position. They have Rex Burkhead, who, you know, we've basically had hyped up to be a running back who can also play a receiver. Well, you have James I White. Had, 
Or Hogan or started on Rex Burkhead is, is a bad idea because I think Rex, Rex Burkhead is the guy who should be catching the punt. Yeah, um, sure, but I know. think he was a guy that he's that expendable piece. Think he was a guy who they could have sent inside though. He was a guy who they could have sent oh. to run run in the slot, and they just weren't doing it. They were just heaving up shots for like a whole quarter to Philip Dorsett and Brandon Cooks, and that just wasn't working. But they just kept doing it, and it's just not a way that we're used to seeing this team play. And it was just. It kind of felt like they gave like they gave up at a point, like that point when you're playing Madden and you're down by 14 and you just start calling stupid plays and you're barely even paying attention anymore. Like it, it just felt like I, they, it felt like they were in a malaise. It felt that the second that uh, Tyreek Hill scored that touchdown from the wide open on the right side, that the game was over. And uh, it's unfortunate. I've never felt that way in any Patriots game ever, including the Super Bowl. Yep. Because we have the greatest coach and the greatest quarterback of all time. But we did not on Thursday. And Thursday we did not. Thursday, it it didn't look old, but it looked like maybe Belichick was losing his touch a little bit. There was just, there was Um, so little intensity in the team. And after the game, you saw the comments that, well, not really Belichick, but the comments you were hearing from Brady were just the type of things that, you know, I, I can't ever remember hearing Brady get out there and really like, get on his team for a lack of effort, for a lack of fire, for lack of passion. Lack of effort is not a New England term. That's not no. a term we're used to hearing from anybody exactly. in a New England uniform. And it was, it was a little bit scary, actually. It was yeah. a little bit of a wake-up call. Um, and you start to look... This, hopefully this, this means that we'll see a younger, you know, a, a more energetic Brady presence in the locker room, uh, you know, circa 2007. Mm-hmm. But... We don't know because we don't see that locker room. And that's the Patriot mentality, and that's that's okay with me as long as we keep winning games. Yeah, if but we lose it's... games, then we're in trouble. Um, yeah, obviously, I still think we're we're built to compete. I'm really worried about our defense. So I'm uh, not gonna lie. I'm really worried about the front seven. I was worried about it. I feel like I, was, I feel like our front seven can't compete. They can't. They couldn't stop a rookie running back. They can't get um, to the passer at all. Which now, na- which you know, and, now you know, the which na- sack, so, yeah, which now the message from Patriot. Sorry. Which now the message from Patriots fans has suddenly become, oh well, the Patriots have never had a pass rush, so that doesn't matter. Which I think is, which is not at all true. Which is ridiculous. I, I feel, I feel like you know the one sack that we had in the entire game was due to the stupidity of the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, who it took four different defensive players to bring him down, and he held the ball for about a minute. Yeah, no, uh, there know, was he no. He the field a little bit. He could have got rid of the ball at any point. He yeah, was just he just didn't get open instead. Yeah. And he just did it. It shouldn't have been a sack at all. It should have been a complete pass. It should have been a ball. Yeah, and that play right there kind of was kind of like, sorry. And that play right there was kind of, you know, the worst case scenario for this team because, at least for me, I did a lot of, like, low-hanging fruit segments on the front seven, but a lot of what I was saying was, you know, the secondary for this team is elite. They have an elite secondary. They have Pro Bowl, all pro type guys at almost every position in that secondary, depending on how you think about Patrick Chung, who's not one of those guys, but still Patrick Chung is a good player. But they have four really good players in that secondary, and even the backups who are coming back while the preseason didn't show it. They have good guys. They have good depth, and the secondary is good. They have a great secondary, so at least it will be able to— Our secondary is very good, but but it will be able to at least— But it will at least be able to—you know, the theory is that it will at least be able to keep guys covered long enough that the— front seven can get to them and sack the quarterback but that play you're just describing he had a minute and they couldn't get to him they couldn't catch exactly. alex smith and that, and that and that is that is scary alex smith is not uh you know he's not a russell wilson no he's a mobile he's guy he's not ben roethlisberger by any means no, but exactly he's yeah not, if you can't 
plays like that on a regular basis, and the fact that he can do it against our defense is bad. Like it's like, uh, oh, well. If he can do it, what's going to happen when we play the Steelers? Exactly. They and have if, more talented receivers, you know. Antonio Brown will find a way open. Yeah, exactly. Play. And if you leave, and no matter how good of a secondary you have, no matter how long, if you're covering a guy for so long, they will eventually get open. If you're giving exactly. a guy. And it's a scary thought when you think about the weapons that, you know, certain teams in yep. the AFC have. Especially uh, now that Dak Prescott's going to have Ezekiel Elliott for the sure. future, unless his TRO gets removed. You know, the Cowboys are scary again. Yeah, and sure. It's have, just any have, t- any you know, team that has Steelers is scary. You know, when you can't rush the passer, any quarterback can become a scary can have a career game. Because you, if you just let a guy sit back there in the pocket, they can have a career game like Alex Smith just is, had, exactly. who had they're in, his, they're in the NFL for a reason. They can throw yeah, the ball. If you give them twenty seconds to pass the ball, guess what? They're probably gonna fit unless they're a total nincompoop. They're going to figure yeah, unless, unless something out. Yeah, unless you have Scott Tolson, they'll eventually figure something out if you give them that long. So, yeah, that was a concern to see the team just on a – which wasn't surprising per se because you sat here uh, and I sat here, and I think you even on the show when we did a segment like this, you tried to list guys on the front seven who you count – And I couldn't do it. And, one, and two of them were D-tackles and – yeah, Trey, yeah. Flower, Trey Flowers is the only end who you feel like you can trust, but even him, he has yet to put together a full, legit season as a dominant player. And well, We had this conversation when, uh, when I came in. Yes, about uh, last in, month, in you were on the July. show. Yeah, when I came in late July, uh, the, the week after Nikovich retired, and it was, who do you trust on the Patriots defense? Yeah, and hopefully and, you were hoping that maybe... And was in the secondary. And then hopefully, Henry and then you would hope team. that, you know, Coney Ely would step up, but then he turned out to be a bum, and he's on the Jets now. And then you're left with, well, you know, Dietrich Wise and Lawrence Guy, who I thought was a D-tackle. I still think is a D-tackle. I yep. agree. And, you know, the scariest part of this whole thing wasn't even seeing the holes in the Patriots' defense because I, you know, I've seen Matt Patricia make so many adjustments over such a long period of, of time and such a long tenure in New England that I believe that we will, you know, bounce back and we'll have a great game next week. But what's he, he's not wor- he doesn't have anything to work with. I don't even put a ton of this on Patricia, honestly, because he just – Unlike McDaniels, who had everything to work with and just didn't do it, Patricia really didn't have much to work with at all. I don't really put a lot of this loss on Patricia, if I'm being honest, unless you really want to get on him for not being able to find a way to use Cassius Marsh five days in. So that's, that's, an, interesting, that's an interesting take because I look at it the opposite. I look at it and I said, you know, uh, Matt Patricia knows what's, you know, knows what's coming from the other team from an offensive perspective. Uh, for his defense, he knows his secondary is strong, and mm-hmm. he knows his pass rush is weak. Josh McDaniels had to work with a few new pieces um, this week and try to figure out, you know, what his new scheme is going to be with Brandon Cooks. That Patricia had all summer knowing that he had this defense. To see him come out game one and, and, and have a performance that's that bad, I just, I, it's it just, shocking. that's the most points ever scored against a Bill Belichick. Yeah, no, that's fair, but you know, I just don't think that, that necessarily it was a scheme with the defense. That was the problem. I was watching the defense and I'm like, these guys just can't get to the passer. This is just the players just can't perform. But with the offense, I'm like, why are you doing, why are you throwing the ball outside every play? What are you like? There were solutions I could think of with the offense that they weren't doing. With the defense, yeah, they're, they're unpatriot-like plays. With the uh, with the defense, I was at least looking out. at it, and I'm like, they're just playing poorly. But that's the talent that they have. 
but in like and you saw also there was communication issues which is gonna happen when you have a new team but look like you saw the play with Tyreek Hill it just seemed like nobody knew where they were supposed to be and then which is which is which is terrible and that's not a Bill Belichick run team no that's and listen that's what's you know that's that's also in, between McCordy and Gilmore and you know that's what's gonna happen when you have a guy when you have McCordy going from you know Logan Ryan an inferior player but a guy who he's been playing with you know since college to in a Belichick system. Yeah, to a guy who he just is just getting to know. So you're going to have those issues. So I don't put that on the coaching so much as just these guys just need to develop that chemistry, but I just I I still don't know where the pass rush is going to come from and that was kind of my worst fear was that this is what we were going to see tonight. And even then they weren't even able to stop the run which with a lot of these guys you're like, "Okay, Allen Branch is not a pass rusher, but hey, he's a run stopper." Malcolm Brown isn't a pass rusher, but hey, at least he's a run stopper. David Harris, he's a run stopper. Alandon Roberts, he's at least a run stopper. None of these guys were able to stop the run. They couldn't even do that. Come here. And you know, that, that scares me to no end because I came in, and I made this prediction on the show the last time that you had me on, mm-hmm. was that the Patriots were going to go 14-2. and two. Yeah, and honestly... And I, had losing, I had them losing to the Steelers. Yep. Uh, I think it's week 12. Yep. Um, and I had them losing to New Orleans, which would be next week. Yep. I, um, I was I, I was in the same boat, 14-2. and two, I had them losing to the Bucks on Thursday night just because of travel stuff. I had to pick something. But, yeah, no, I had them 14-2, and 13-3, and three, too. Yeah, so now I have an issue here because next week I'm actually really worried. I, I think Drew Brees is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and he's, he puts up 5,000 yards consistently every year. And if you can't make him uncomfortable, he's just going to pick you apart. He will throw the ball. And listen – this game next week, and I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna sit here and tell you this is a must win because I don't know. I just don't want to get in the hot takery, but they 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 kind of need a bounce back game here. And they have the opportunity to have a bounce back game. The Saints defense is putrid. It's been putrid for the last couple of years, so they the Patriots need to have a bounce back win this Sunday in New Orleans. They really. Oh, I look at it and I say we really need a bounce back win, but it's not a must. I don't think it's a must win game. I think we lose no, but they. But if they the lose playoffs. the way that they lost to on Thursday, yeah, I'll be. You'll see a lot of people check out, and I think you'll see a lot of a lot of changes. I think Belichick will, you know, make a lot of changes on his uh, offense and his defense. But Daniels and Patricia know know how to you know adjust. But if we don't see a different style of play from that defense, an elevated level of play from the Patriots defense this week. And I don't really, I don't know how anybody can predict them to win the Super Bowl or even get there. No, I mean, listen, I. The Steelers, and they're they're so much better on, you know, in the run game than the Chiefs are. You know, with Le'Veon Bell, who can run over anybody. Well, for the sake of my fantasy team, I hope. They also have a, they also have a great quarter, a great quarterback, and they have Antonio Brown. Yeah, listen, they they have have weapons. Yeah, you'll need a defense or you'll need to. And listen, if they go into New Orleans this weekend, and I don't say if they don't win, but listen, if they can, like, I don't know, I guess I'd be comfortable if the game ends, you know, 38 to 35, but the Patriots were at least bombing it away at least. Like, I just, I want to see some offense. And another big thing I want to see, I really need to see Gronk produce. And I give him, I agree. And I give him a pass this week. To a degree. I give him a pass because he was covered by Eric Berry, who, you know, is probably one of the two guys in the league. You, you know, you're not surprised. You cover Gronk. You can cover Him and Cam Chancellor. Now, mind you, if Gronk, you know, the Hall of Fame guy, who we all make him out to be and a lot of the great, he should still be able to do more than he did 
But, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, Gronk's not back yet after you know. Once again, an all-pro guy was covering him. Like, listen, like if Gronk had been able to haul in that touchdown he did, that he barely, that he almost caught, then, you know, we'd probably feel a lot better about Gronk's performance. So I'm not going to get on him, but then if he can't go in against, you know, Manteo and whoever, and who, do they still have Kenny Bird there in New Orleans? I actually have no idea who they have you know, that can cover Gronk. So if they, you know, if Gronk can't produce there, then I'll be concerned, which I don't think. I can't see how Gronk doesn't eat that team alive, but it's just, you know, I want to see him eat that team alive so I can at least feel better about it, you know, so I can at least be like, okay. I feel, I feel like we'll see a lot of Gronk next game. I feel like we'll see a lot of deep crossing routes from Gronk uh, with no route for Brandon Cook. Yep, I hope that we see more of Rex Burkhead or James White. Should open up some, like, you know, runs runs for us, and also some passes into like the flat or two yep. or three yards. Deep. Absolutely, James White, who can catch the football. Yep, I want more of that. We get some yards. Or Dion Lewis. I want. I want to see Chris Hogan get involved. Now, mind you, you know, Chris Hogan was being covered by Marcus Peters the whole game. Who, but I just, I want to see everybody on this offense get more involved. I want to see the whole offense just play better. I want to see the tackles not fold in the fourth quarter, which I haven't even gotten into after this whole year of me, you know, after the whole summer of me going, oh, the interior of the O-line scares me. It's the tackles in the fourth quarter who are just getting run over by Justin Houston and D4 to whoever they have there, but... So I, have a, I have a question for you here. Sure, lay it on me. I want, to know, I want to know what you think. How much of this loss do you think is on Brady and him playing with his new toys and Brandon Cooks instead of making a simple pass through the middle to a Chris Hogan or a Rex Burkhead or I, a little bit less flashy weapon? I think that there's a part of that that's on Brady. Obviously, he completed under 50% of his passes, and he's the best quarterback of all time. So, yeah, a lot of that's on him, but also, you know, I do go back to putting a lot of it on the play calling, which, mind you, he could have checked out of some of those plays, but... I still I blame it more on the coaching than I do on Brady in this game. I do. He overthrew. Well, I, he had some passes that were bad. He overthrew some guys, but you know, even if he got those throws back, they still probably wouldn't have really been in a position to win. And all and also I put a lot of that on the also the play calling on third and fourth and short where they were never able to convert. I have to put that on the play calling more than Brady. So I have I, my one play from the game that really stuck out for me on offense. Was, was the fourth down run that we gave to Gillingsley. Yeah. On fourth, it was fourth and two. Yeah. Now, the statistic is the Patriots complete 88% of quarterback sneaks from under four and two. So, that shocked me a little bit was to not see Brady die forward for those two yards to see a handoff I mean, to Gillingsley, who, granted, was, was, was terrific in, the- you know, in the red zone. Gillsley was uh, one of the best of parts yards. of the team on Monday, on Thursday. He didn't, he, he didn't get a lot of yards. He only had 44 yards, but he was fantastic in the red zone. You know, he, he got three touchdowns, and one of those touchdowns, I think it was the second one, if I'm correct. Yeah, he got he one call. He kind of made that out of nowhere. Yeah. He kind of made that out of nowhere. He ran over everybody. Yeah, and I don't necessarily get on them specifically for not calling the QB sneak which was something that a lot of people were because I get it. Like you can't run it every time or it becomes really predictable. And then teams are always preparing for it. So I'm not necessarily saying like, I wasn't looking at the TV necessarily like, Oh, they need to run the QB sneak here. Cause as successful as they've been with it, you have to do other things, but that doesn't mean you just need to do the other most predictable thing and just run it up the gut. There are a million things you can do. 
and they were just. I ne- see that that shocked me a little bit that they did that for one reason, and that's because our offensive line is not overpowering. That's they're, another good they're, point. They're yep. Good enough- they're good enough to give Brady time to throw the football, but they're not overpowering. No, they're not, you're not a looking mo- at an joke. offensive line that's terrific, and you're not looking at a vintage 2014 Marshawn Lynch at, at running back. Nope, either. you're right. You know, Gillingsley is not the number one running back in the league. He's not a Le'Veon Bell. Or nope, he's not. Elliot. No, they just they, they there were a million other things they could have done on fourth and two. You know, and, and they just that play call really, really stuck into me because that just, was where I felt like the team disengaged. And there were a couple um, of, and there were a couple of plays like that. You saw when they were up seven-seven on, you know, the fifteen or the twenty. They wanted, they had a fourth and short, and they opted to go for it. Which I don't know. I was, I'm not saying I would have definitely took the kick. I understand the idea of going for it, but they did it again. They just got stuffed, and it just happened. I think four or five times on third or fourth and short, they got stopped, and it just feels like there was a million better things they could have done than just. Run the ball up the middle, which once again and, that know, comes with the play at, calling. Yeah, no, I look at the play calling and I go, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Granted, so we look at it and you go, if they convert that with Gillingsley, you're going, oh my god, Gillingsley is the number one running back that we've had, we haven't had in a long time. Yeah, and if you can do that, yeah, but if you only you know if you have one that. example of that happening, I'm like, fine, you know what? Yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. But when it happens four or five times in the game, they had the hindsight in the game, like. They c- no, I agree, and they should have. I what I wanted them to do, and I, I'm always, granted, I'm not the greatest at running the numbers on this. I love going for it under and fourth and under two yards. I feel like you have to go. For yeah, it. but the, you um, know, you unless can, you're unless you're in your own half, in which case, you know, uh, that's that's a different story. But if you're if you're you know within the the forty yard line, right, right, right. You know, we, you're riverboat Job. Anyway, yeah, exactly. You're in the middle uh, of the field, and you should go for it and. With Tom Brady, I feel like if you're gonna if you're not gonna call the quarterback sneak, then you gotta give the ball to Tom Brady and make it let let something happen. Yeah, li- they were the just football and you know you gotta trust your quarterback in that situation if you're not gonna run it in a more dynamic way. Yeah, it was just flat right the with that with that offensive line is just asking for trouble because the Kansas City Chiefs are not pushovers. No, they're not. And we knew that going into the game. You know, we thought they were going to win because they were just seventeen and zero talk, and we've been hyping up the Patriots since they beat the Falcons last February. But I don't know. I thought that this was going to be a tough game. But I thought it was I one that they were definitely going to win. Twenty-eight. I agree. I thought we were totally going to win it. But I thought we were going to win it because I thought we were going to have Drew Ellis. I thought we were going to have decent play calling, and I didn't think we were going to have you know these simple mistakes on defense that give up touchdowns. That should not. That shouldn't even be catching, let alone eighty-yard downfield yep. drive App. against Devin McCourty. You shouldn't be having you know, a you rookie know, running back catch a seventy-four-yard touchdown pass. Exactly, and you know what? I felt really good about the Patriots in the in the first quarter, uh, even the first half, even when you know they forced a fumble from Kareem Hunt, and I was like, okay, you know, he's not going to let that happen again because yeah. rookie or not, he knows how to hold the football. Um, but that was a great play, and I, I was like, okay, these guys have some balls. Now they know yep. how to play football. And then it just, they might not be the most talented. Yeah, and the, the first drive they the had, they were moving down the field, and you're like, yeah, this this I is it. Like, it feels good to be back. This is, you know, this yeah, is what we've been building up to. And then, yeah, exactly. you know, they get, get they, ring and it's gonna be fantastic. they get stopped in the first quarter when they're up by seven in their own red zone. They don't convert on the fourth down, and then it kind of, you know, I don't like to ascribe to one specific turning point in the game, but it all just kind of it felt deflated it went from, downhill there. from there. I felt like it went downhill from there. I don't feel like it was a turning point. 
because there were so many points that yeah that they just effed up and that they had the game around yeah, yeah no exactly. and they but they just didn't they just seemed drained for most of the game and I don't you know I think there's a billion things you can attribute to it but you know I just hope that we see it we see some kind of a turnaround this weekend against oh, New I Orleans agree. which once again I, I think we'll see they have the long week. That hopefully this engages them like it did in 2014, like the Lawyer Malloy game did in 2004. I hope that we see it, but you know we just I need to see it, you know. So, so hopefully, I've been seeing I've been seeing stats circulating all week about how the last three times that the Patriots lost game one of the season, they won the Super Bowl, but they won the Super Bowl. But this is not that team. Those, this is not the 2017. This is not the 2013 team. No, this is not last year's. No, this is different weapons and different and different dynamics on his team, and a lot of new faces. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot about how great the Patriots' running core is this year, and I don't doubt it because I love Gillingsley. I think it's a great take. Oh, I love that they got him. I was a, he was my number I one guy. Excited. I wanted them to get there this off season. He was my number I one agree. option for I running back. He, I, I thought so too, but now you know, with a front seven as weak as ours, are we going to be able to get the ball back often enough to actually use the run game? As a weapon for Tom Brady, our defense is pretty weak. And if our offensive line can't create holes and the run game isn't there, I'm a little bit worried because we don't have Julian Edelman in the underneath routes. And we don't have a fully 100% healthy Gronkowski coming off the back surgery. Say what you will, he won't play 16 games. I firmly believe he won't play all 16. He hasn't since 2011. Sure. And fair. I'm a little bit worried. Fair thing to worry about. Yep. Yeah. If we it... lose Gronkowski for any stretch of games, even if it's only two or three games. We're in trouble, and I don't. I don't mean we're in trouble in terms of winning the division because we will win the division. Yeah, they'll win the division. Um, they'll be in the AFC we'll Championship the game, we'll but be in the AFC Championship game. But the Raiders scare me. The Steelers scare me. The, the Seahawks. Me. The Seahawks defense looked the bet, and the, their offense looked putrid because of their own line. But the Seahawks defense with Sheldon Richardson looked against the Packers on Sunday like the best I've seen it in years. And there's a lot of there's a lot of weapons that are going to scare me, and uh, I'm not overjoyed by the cupboard of, of uh, you know weapons that are stacked up for Tom Brady if he's not going to get the protection he needs from his offensive line, or if he's not going to get the support of the run game because his offensive line can't open up holes, or if he's on the field the entire game, or the defense is on the field the entire game because they can't they create a stop. If Tom Brady doesn't have time to work, he doesn't have time to work, and there's not much we can do about it. Um, the defense is where this all starts for me, and it all starts up front. Because, like you said, these guys are all supposed to be run stoppers, and they got run over by a rookie. Running yep, back. absolutely. And that absolutely was absolutely run over. There was a run. I think it was. The, I think it was the beginning of the fourth quarter. Correct me if I'm wrong. Where he went, he went around the entire. No, it felt like every run line. was like a seven, eight yard run. It know, felt like yeah, almost every time he touched the ball, they got a first down. It there honestly was, felt that way. There was one run in particular that was worse. There was one run when he went around. It was, a, it was an outside run. He went around everybody, turned the corner, and got eight yards up field before anybody touched him. Yeah. The secondary, you had to get him out of bounds. Yeah. That is a bad play by the Patriots defense all around. But how are you letting a rookie, a rookie running back, get outside on a very straightforward route? It wasn't a, it wasn't a redirect. It wasn't a you know fake handoff and hand it to somebody else and redirect the defense. It was just a straight up run play. And uh, the Patriots defense just didn't didn't pick up on it this time. Yeah, listen, I don't know. But 
Yeah, it was. There was a lot to not like in this game. But anyway, I, we've been talking about this game for the last hour. I want to. I want to try to maybe lighten things up a little bit here. But I guess you know, just first NFL Sunday this weekend. One thing that was of. I guess we're not getting more positive. I guess we're staying negative. But one thing that was of note to me that I read was that the ratings for the opening game were down. 10% from last year. And last year you saw the NFL had a decline in ratings, which they attributed to the election, which I thought was fine. I thought that was a cop-out. Right, but I'm like, fine, that kind of makes sense, I guess. People have to, I guess, fine. But you saw the NFL rate, they were down 10% again, and people seemingly are mad about CTE. There are people who are seemingly mad about the Kaepernick protests and what that spurred, and I... I guess, Job, is this something you think that the league should be worried about? Is this a real, are we seeing a, and I'm not saying we're seeing the decline of the NFL, but well, yeah, are NFL we seeing a real decline or is this so, just. The NFL is a juggernaut and I actually attribute this to different things uh, than you mentioned. One is the Kaepernick protest, which doesn't make sense to me at all that people would stop watching football because somebody he won't sign a player. It's in with whatever team's right to sign or not sign. Well, no, but then you're also the seeing people. Sure, the people. I was even talking about that. You're seeing people on the other side of it who, if you just read, I don't know, if you go on any Facebook article about like Browns players kneel during the national anthem or something, you'll see like, you just keep reading, you'll just see a ton of just old people going like, oh, I'm not watching the NFL anymore. These prima donnas, blah, blah, blah. But you're, you're seeing people who aren't watching the game because they don't like that people are protesting the national anthem. You're seeing that. So, I. I read an article uh, last week, actually, uh, that I meant to send you and forgot um, about this. And it that the correlation is actually there. Um, the Kaepernick protest correlation is that teams, teams that are uh, even teams that are good, you know, if they see these players kneel during the national anthem, their ratings are down the week after. Um, there is a correlation there, sure. but I don't think I don't think the NFL has anything to worry about there. I think what the NFL really has to worry about, and what they've been trying to fix for the last two or three years. Since the Blakegate, really, the league has a Patriots problem. Okay. There really hasn't been a team that can stand up to the Patriots and, you know, go 12 rounds with them, go toe-to-toe and make it really competitive uh, for an entire season. It's kind of been like the Patriots are going to be in the AFC Championship or the Super Bowl every year in the last decade almost. You know, you see a good Patriots team. And I think people are sick of seeing a lack of competition, Mm -hmm. uh, and they want to see better teams. Because you look at this league, and sometimes in the playoffs, there's there's teams that are under 500 in the playoffs. Yeah, this is a watered down league happen. this year, and that was, and that was why I was kind of it felt like I was able to dis- dismiss some of the Patriots' problems because the league is fairly watered down right now. I mean, the AFC you have maybe two or three teams that you feel like can hang with the Patriots. I guess I got to put the Chiefs in there now. They weren't even in there, but yeah, it's a watered down league. You're right. There's no, it's not like there's the NBA. It's not like the NBA, talent. but. You know, no, there aren't really a but, lot of complete teams. If you have a great defense like Seattle, your O-line sucks. If you have a great offense like the Steelers, your defense kind of sucks. Like the Cowboys, no, exactly. your defense kind of... You, know, you don't see anywhere that really has a complete team. So, I did like what I saw in week one. I don't know how many games you watched this week. Um, I got the new direct TV package. So, I'm watching five or six games at a time at some point. And I'm watching games, and I'm watching Jackson, the Jacksonville Jaguars defense score a touchdown on Houston. Yeah, and you know, that was in Houston, but that was Houston was another team you thought, you know, if they can exactly. get their quarterback situation together, if Tom Savage or Deshaun... With the Patriots, and then, I don't know, an amazing defense. 
And then you're like, oh. 24 points for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, Tom Savage is absolute garbage, which surprised me. Honestly, I thought he'd be better than that. I thought he'd be better than Brock Osweiler. I thought he'd be able to. But then, so is Deshaun Watson going to be able to lead them? Like, that's another team. But you also saw a lot, just a note, six teams this week scored less than 10 points. No, I, I, I totally agree. The competitiveness of the league is down. And I don't know whether that is, uh, you know, whether to attribute that to bad roster building or lack of talent. I, I think like you get to a point of both. Yeah, there are certain positions in the league. There are certain positions in the league that are just thin. One of them being quarterback. Another position being tackles. There is the NFL Agreed. does Agreed. have a real legitimate shortage of quality tackles. And this upcoming draft class has a lot of tackles in it. But the last couple of years, you really, you have seen not a, not a lot of really good tackles come out, and you see even a lot of legitimately good teams don't have anybody. the The biggest example is the New York Giants. Eric Flowers and Bobby Hart are terrible, and they made no effort to fix it, and then you saw on Sunday Night Football against the Cowboys, even though they didn't have Odell Beckham Jr., they weren't able to do a thing. Eli Manning didn't have any time. Brandon Marshall didn't. Eli Manning Manning has has one major weapon, and that's Odell. So without Odell, I find it kind of hard to blame the Giants for their loss. I see. I do though, because that, even you know, then, if you if you give him time, they sh- they should be able to against the Dallas defense, which has been pretty awful the last couple of years. They should be able to score more than three points, but they don't have any tackles. And then another team, the Seahawks. I mean, they lose George, George Fant going down was a bad was a big thing for them. And George Fant is a guy who la- who two years ago was playing for the Baylor Bears in the NC in March Madness. No, I agree. Like you know, that—that's another great team that was that was that was barely able to play any offense because they don't have any O line. So we're just getting eaten alive by the Packers, who the Packers have a decent defense. Mike Daniels, Nick Perry, great players. Mike Daniels had the game of a lifetime, but they don't have a great defense. But Seattle wasn't able to do anything. So, you know, that's another. It's just not the quarterback. It's good O line players and specifically good tackles is another thing that's really plaguing the NFL. Is that there? I feel like I feel like good good old line players is something that you are need. overlooked. People don't people don't realize how necessary it is. Yeah, no, it's the absolute. So it's the key to a team. In the NFL right it now. can change your um, team if you have good old line play. It can absolutely. Oh, one hundred percent. Tom Brady with a good old line. You know, with a bad old line is not Tom Brady. Even Dallas before they got their old line together, they weren't anything because their defense was bad. Roma wasn't playing his best. But once you get a good old line, you can run the ball. You can keep your defense. Just I don't want to get into stupid football cliches, but you can keep your defense off the field. They don't have to play as much. So when they can't play as much, they can't let up as many points. You it's just and you can protect your quarterback, and they have time to sit back and think. So, but when you don't have so a I good think, old line, I think it's been overlooked. It is. It's absolutely overlooked. overlooked. And the reason that it's overlooked, I think, is because there's so many talented running backs in the league right now. Sure. Um, who are big names. It's yeah, we're seeing a little bit of a renaissance for the running back position. Absolutely. Exactly. It's not really a position that in the last 10 years it has a lot of big names. No, you're right. We you were kind of, you know, two, Marshall, three years ago, people, two, three years ago, people were starting. Yep. But no, I mean, Joe, like two, three, four years ago, people were starting to ask, like, ooh, is running back, like, even a position you need to value anymore. People yeah, it's an obsolete. People were starting to ask that question, but then, you know, Le'Veon Bell came out, Ezekiel Elliott, even a guy like Jordan Howard, 
Todd Gurley for a little bit. He's kind of re-getting his footing back. But, you know, there was a point there when the running back position was being devalued a lot. No, definitely. And there's a there's a major star power, you know, aspect to football right now on offense. You know, big names attract more audiences, things like that. Which but is exactly what the league wants. Players, when you have players like Ezekiel Elliott, who's a star in his position, who's one of the best in the league, have such negative press values in the NFL. That, that's, I, think, I think that's part of the ratings problem. That's, that's another thing. You're right. Who would otherwise be stars. The NFL has had a beloved players. The NFL has had a P. The NFL has had a PR nightmare the last two years, which. Most of it is on the NFL itself and the commissioner's office and the way they've handled like the Ray Rice situation, the Josh Brown situation, the way they've they brought it on themselves. People will accept that athletes will just do dumb, bad things and that that's not reflecting on the league. But the way the league has been handling these things, even with the Ezekiel Elliott situation and with the deflate gate situation, just the NFL has gone through a P and people are getting sick of tuning into the games and just hearing legal mumbo jumbo. A lot. Well, you know, I there was a period there for, you know, about six months when it was the NFL offseason, and all you heard on Boston Sports Radio was legal mumbo-jumbo. Not even you know, six like, months. That was two about, years. There was almost two whole years of that. And, you know, people get sick and tired of hearing the same stuff over and over again. There was a point where I, I was all, I was so done with the play game that I didn't even want to hear about it. No, I don't. I refuse to say this. This might be the. I think this is the first time I've actually said that word on this show. I've avoided saying it because I just hate talking about it. But yeah, and and this was another because I want to not talk about it anymore. There was another thought I had the other day when I was just driving around. It dawned on me that I feel like the NFL, all of this, just the all this arguing with the commissioner and all these suspensions and all the arguments about who should be suspended, who can suspend. This PR nightmare the NFL has. The NFL is just... This, they are forming this perfect just poltergeist of what I feel is just going to be a vicious, awful, just perfect storm of just this... Of just some kind of lockout when this CBA expires. And it's going to... And it's guaranteed. Gonna, I think it's almost guaranteed. And, it's gonna, and this won't be like the other ones. This is going to drag all of us down into it. I feel like... Everything is going to be on the table. It's going to be, oh, what's conduct de- detrimental to the league? Can the league suspend people who weren't convicted? Marijuana, painkillers, CTE, practice time. There's just all these stupid little, th- well, not stupid little things, but all these things that have been piling up. And it's just, it's going to be so ugly. And that's all we'll hear about for, like, months. I feel like that CBA is going to unfortunately lead to, uh, we're going to have a big problem with a lockout in 2019. Absolutely. Um, and, and the reason the reason is not even, I don't even think it's the, the players are going to want their power back. I think it's that the NFL has been treating these situations as a way to gain hype. Sure. As a way to show, show everybody that the NFL is still as important as ever. They want to dominate the 24-hour news cycle all the time. I don't know about that. I don't think the NFL I, wants Ezekiel no, Elliott. Not at all getting suspended for domestic abuse to be in the news cycle. They want to hype you up for, like, OTAs. They wanted to play They wanted yeah. to play in, the, in the news cycle. I don't think they, they did. I, th- I think they wish I could have just died. But anyway, I just... Really, I don't... 
Anyway, I don't. I don't want to talk to Blake Eight. I don't want to get into that either. I I have no there's desire nothing, to talk about nothing, that. There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than talking to Blake. I'm Gates. done with it. I'm um, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm on. I'm on to Applegate now. That's my new thing. The bad boy Red Sox. I'll talk about you with. The the bad boy. Good. We can we can do that. The bad I, boy Red Sox. I will. The. <laughs> I'll talk about. But. Yeah. This is just. It's a nightmare, and I feel like it, we are not anywhere near anywhere near finding a, a solution. No, we are heading to a. Last two years, telling players you have no power, you have no. We power, are heading no to power. a ugly, terrible impasse that is. Hopefully, by then, you and me will both have some sort of actual jobs in these fields, and it's just gonna be the worst thing ever. Oh. No, I agree. I feel like we're gonna have uh, an unfortunate. It will uh, just you know, be six or seven months where it will be Deflate Gate um, times Spygate. Times Ezekiel Elliott Gate, times Ray Rice, just all of it, just together. Times a thousand, because I feel like every single player who plays in the NFL right now is also going to want guaranteed money. Yeah, that's another uh, thing. Yep, because gar- of the CTE. Sure. Uh, and they're going to hold out for that. Sure, everything. Support by Boston University that came out. And it's just going to be the worst. And it's going to be scary. It will be. This will be. The more we see that that's a problem, and I feel like it's going to just lead to a, a big problem with the NFL. It, this will absolutely be the worst thing ever, though. Anyway, though, Job, it's been good having you on. Uh, we've been talking to Job Job Goodrin of Real Sports 101.com. Hopefully, we'll be able to have you on next week. Thank you for joining us on the Stadium Experience with Jake Ellensey. Check him out once again, Real Sports 101.com. Job Goodrin, he writes for them. He writes articles on the NBA, the NFL, the MLB. Not really hockey. That's why he's here. But anyway, though, thank you for joining us. Hopefully, you can come on next week. We'll try to get a little liner together, introduce you, and uh, thanks for coming on, Job. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for having me, and a belated happy birthday to you. Thank you. All right, have a good week. You too. All right. Anyway, though, we were talking to Job Gudrid of Real 101 Sports. You are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley. We are going to take a quick break. Then we will move away from NFL stuff, or at least serious NFL stuff. We'll have some fun. we got some Red Sox stuff I want to talk about. We have some Celtic stuff I want to talk about. If you want to call in and discuss any of these matters, don't be afraid to call in at 401-456-9946 or at 401-456-8787. If you have been enjoying the episode, if you missed some of the episode, you want to hear the beginning of it, or maybe you got to go, but you want to be able to listen to a bunch of it later, don't be worried. This full episode, as all my episodes, will be uploaded to the official Stadium Experience SoundCloud to be listened to for free. Or if you want to take it on the go, you can also download all my episodes at the official Stadium Experience iTunes account. Once again, all free if you want to download the episode and take it with you. But anyway, though, once again, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more sports. This is Alice Cooper for R.A.D.D. There's a lot of things we have no control of in this world, but that's not the case with drunk driving. If you're going to drink, don't drive. Think ahead and choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives on and so should you. Public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hey, how you doing? This is Joe Walsh. I'm speaking on behalf of RAD. It's okay to rock and roll, right? But don't drive home drunk. If you're drunk, call me up. I have a limo. I'll come and get you. Sleep all day. I'm 
public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. My name is Joe Thompson. I'm 29 years old and I have a career that I love as a systems analyst. Career. It still sounds cool to say that word. I never could have gotten on this path without a college degree. And if the college me were here, he'd tell you. I never would have gotten to college without Big Brothers Big Sisters. I could have ended up anywhere, on the streets even. But college? Joe Thompson? Not likely. My big brother helped me out. He taught me I could do anything, at a time when a lot of people were saying just the opposite. And to a seven-year-old, that means a lot. My big brother's name is Phil. And Phil is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a systems analyst. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. And that can last a lifetime. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. For the best local pizza, look no further than Big Tony's Pizzeria at 525 Eaton Street, Providence, featuring daily specials and free delivery until 4 a.m. Get a whole pie or just a slice at the home Gangsta Rap. So call in at 401-490-0000 for a slice of the local favorite, Big Tony's. Often imitated, never duplicated. Or at Rick, can't think of anything better to do? Join 90.7 WXIN. Get your own radio show and force people to listen to your music. Help promote events and shows, or be a voice in a commercial alliance. All tastes and music are welcome at our meeting every Wednesday at 1 o'clock at Horace Mann 186. Or check us out at rickradio.org. Come play your music at your station. It's not the size that matters. It's the pleasure it provides. It's been a couple of hours now trying to digest what just happened to a 29-year-old Mexican guy like me. It's 9-11. I'm in Denver, Colorado. And this is the NFL. A Monday night football game between the Broncos and the Chargers. The biggest stage possible. I was studying my elementary school September 11, 2001 in Calexico, California. Born in Mexicali, Baja California, Mexico. But growing up in the American environment as a minority. A minority like head coaches, Vance, Joseph, and Anthony Lynn. All right, right there you are hearing the, the meme of the week. 
Sergio Dip, in a video he posted, obviously, on Monday, uh, the day after Monday after the Monday Night Football game against the Denver Broncos, between the Denver Broncos and the San Diego Chargers, but he was the sideline reporter, where, if you haven't heard yet, he went out and gave a not-so-great not performance, and everybody, you know, the internet collectively, the, the lot of us, you know, we all laughed, we went, ha-ha, this guy didn't do so good. And then, oddly, you know, the game never went back to him, and people were kind of just making fun of him on the internet. But then he tweeted out, like, a tweet where he's like, oh, what do I do now? And it was, like, a screenshot of him Googling how to handle be a celebrity. And everybody's like, oh, haha, this guy's in on the joke. He gets it. Whatever. Just do better next time, man. Nobody's mad at you. And then, yeah, a couple of hours later on Monday, then he comes out with this video, kind of like, or maybe this video actually came out on Tuesday. I'm not 100% sure, but... He comes up with this video on Twitter, basically kind of explaining that, kind of tying it all in 9-11 for some reason, and then kind of, at least in my eyes, Dave, and I know you have some opinions on this, kind of tried to make all of us out to be, at least all of us who were laughing at it, to be oddly xenophobic. I mean, I think if, if what you think the joke is, is that he doesn't grasp English well, I, I mean... It's still it's it's just a weird situation for me because especially being you know someone who does sports radio and does stuff like this, um, I used to do a sports show. Um, gumble to gumble, R.I.P. You got to understand that first of all, not only is it, it not his native language, this is his first time. He's doing Monday Night Football. Like he's never done this before, and I just I think that. He, you have to, you know, people say don't feed the trolls. People say, oh, you know, people on the internet are just going to be trolls. People on the internet are just going to be mean to you. And don't let it get to you. Don't let it. But you, you got to understand different people react to things in different ways. And he, I, I, I think he's the type of person who uh, really sort of internalizes it more than, you know, maybe some other people would. And maybe what to you um, could be construed as as trolling to him could be construed as well wait a minute now i have this big platform and everybody's making fun of me and like that it it does get especially when you're not used to it it does get to you and i i think that he i don't know if if the video made him more of a, a sympathetic figure um i just i i do think that i do feel very bad for him and i think that he he's you know Look, yeah, trolls are going to be trolls. It's the internet. There are going to be people when people are going to make jokes. And uh, sometimes sometimes you're going to feel like you're in on it, and sometimes you're going to feel like you're not. But I I, I think that, you know, he what, – what some people and people like us might look and be like, oh, you know, well, everyone was just – this is just what people do. People just make jokes on the internet. You know, when he's the, the butt of the joke, maybe he he's just doesn't handle those type of things well. And, and, and I get that, but – there's a couple of things about this set. I mean, A, if you're this isn't this isn't like this was his first time ever broadcasting. This is this guy's was I looked it up, he's about twenty nine years old. He's done a lot of big soccer events, a lot of big, you know, Spanish or international football events. So this is a guy a guy who's been on big stages. He's been a, I don't know if he spoke English in those broadcasts, spoke Spanish, but you're going to be on a big platform like this and you're going to broadcast and you're going to put yourself in the public eye if you don't do well, which he didn't do well, then you need to be able to take the criticism. And I'm not saying that people should be hateful or really get mad at you, but I mean, I wasn't seeing anything like that. I really wasn't seeing people go out being like, oh, 
go home, sir. Like, go back to Mexico. Like, stuff like it wasn't getting to a hateful point. It was. It was just people were just like, ha ha. I, mean, I, I think that definitely happened. Whether I mean, because I mean, again, it's, it's the internet. It's yeah, the internet if, that, that happened. If you really dig on Reddit, yeah, fine, fine. But it wasn't. Uh, at least I wasn't seeing it getting super hateful. And once again, if you're going to be in a profession where you're in the public eye and you're giving public opinion, you. you you need to understand you need to be able to take that. Like, if I say something stupid on here or I mess something up and I wish I had the kind of following where people would actually get on me if I did something. But, like, last week, if I said something stupid about Ezekiel Elliott, you and Josh would talk to me about it all week. You guys would not let me forget about it all week. And if you're going to do something like this and you mess up, you need to be able to take it. And once again, I'm not saying that he can't work again or he messed it up, but it was kind of, it was different. When you're watching Monday Night Football, you don't expect the sideline reporter to come out and not really sound like he can speak English you know, and- all too well. And it's not hating on the guy. I'm not saying he shouldn't be able to work anymore. But, you know, if you see that and then you go, ho-ho, ESPN layoffs are showing, like, Sorry, like, go out, and I think it was a mistake that I didn't go back to him again during the game. I think I only fed into it. I hope that the guy is successful. I don't, at least I did. Maybe my feelings have changed now, but I don't know. Then the, the proper thing, the, the right thing to do isn't nextly to come out and basically say, oh, how, like, kind of come out and call everybody a xenophobe and talk about 9-11 as to why people shouldn't I d- I don't think that, just go, <laughs> I don't think he was trying to say everybody making fun of me is a racist. I think he was trying to explain what he was trying to say on the broadcast. And now me, my first thought watching that broadcast was, did they not have a script? Was Does he have to write his own story? I don't know how that works. Right. Um, and I, I'm assuming from this, maybe he had to write his own story. Um, but I, I think it was more of him trying to just explain what he was trying to say on the broadcast, which is that two African-American head coaches facing off against each other in a Monday Night Football game. It's a... It's a it's a big it's big it's symbolic and I think that he was more trying to like I said like explain what he was trying to say versus saying calling out people you see I want to but it's just it felt like in that video that I was played that he was just trying to bring up more like oh like I'm from here I'm from Mexicali I was I think he's trying to explain why it's important to him maybe I don't know it just it just came off to me like he was just like, like I said, at first, his first reaction, I'm like, ah, this, this guy gets it. This guy's fine. This guy's fine. He gets it. He's he's making jokes about it. He's making funny tweets. Like, whatever. Like, do it. Do better next time. It's fine. Nobody, nobody hates you, Sergio Dip. Nobody's... But as much as people have a right to, you know, make fun of him, he has a right to react in both of those ways if he wants to. Right. You but know? it's, you know, if you're somebody in the media, one, I just, you should be able to take those kind of criticisms. I don't know. Maybe you can come out against them, but it just it felt to me like he was getting oddly personal about it. It's just to me. It, that was just my impression. And it just it was it's not I mean, I really don't care. Like the guy I mean, maybe he's just trying to stoke the flames of the publicity to help his own career, which I guess it does because I never would have been talking about whoever is the usual sideline who's who's usually the sideline person for Monday Night Football, was I don't it? know. Katie something I don't know, and that's the point. Yeah, like you we're talking know. about. So I don't know. Maybe he's just some marketing G. Maybe this is the next LeVar Ball. I doubt it. I don't. I don't know. Maybe. I don't, I don't think that's the angle at all. But, you know, I just. If you're going to do it and you're going to be in a profession like this, a profession like me and you are trying to break into, or I like to pretend that I'm in when I do this, it's just, you you need to be able to take the criticism is all I'm saying. Like, that's, that's, that's part of it. That's part of the profession. That's part of the job. That's part of being in the public eye. So I don't, you know, if. You're going out there, and it sounds like you can't speak English, or you're having trouble with it. People are probably going to make fun of it, which I'm not saying is right or wrong, but that's 
what people are inclined to do when they find something amusing on, you know, something that in the end is entertainment. But again, I think it was less about the criticism and more about him trying to sort of have almost a second chance to give that report in a way and sort of any I mean he didn't didn't do it well in that video but I I think that he was more sort yep. of trying to explain you know what his what his whole original point was because okay. I'm sure people were wondering that and I'm sure you know I'm sure people were seeing that clip of him on the sideline and people were like getting mad at him and saying things to him and he was he was probably trying to explain to those people like this is why I was saying that this okay. is you know and I don't know like like I said I don't know if there was a script uh, he, he clearly didn't get to finish the entirety of what he was trying to say. So I think that y- it's really hard to get inside someone's head. And it's really hard to, I mean, you can never, you can never tell how someone's feeling unless they tell you. But uh, it feels to me more like a, a explanation of what he was trying to say on the broadcast than uh, let's make everybody making jokes about me feel bad. Okay, and if that's the case, then fine. Then, that, then this is completely unfounded criticism. If that's your interpretation of it, I completely get you feeling the way you feel. Yeah, if that's what you take it. I, I just don't take it that way, but if that's the actual case, then fine. Then you're right. Then you're right. Then he's then back to like, ha he's a funny guy. He's in on the joke. And I hope I see, and I hope I see him again. I mean, like, obviously, he's probably like the most, now most interesting sideline reporter in all of sports now, so... Good for him, but anyway, I don't know. Sergio Dip, take criticism. I edit memes when I make mistakes, too. Anyway. Probably won't, never mind, I'm not going to get into that story. But anyway, so the Boston Red Sox. Because I want, because now that we have about 20 minutes for me to cover the other four sports, if we really want to do revolution talk. But the Boston Red Sox yesterday, obviously, were able to just trounce the Oakland A's. Yeah, it's right. Yeah, 11 to 1. And now you're starting Aguado Rodriguez. Only gave up one run to not a great team, but now we start to question what the playoff rotation, what the pitching rotation will be for the Red Sox in the playoffs. And you're seeing guys now, and you start to beg the question of do you want a guy like David Porcello to be in the lineup? Or uh, David Porcello would certainly be better than David Price. Or, or if David Price can come back, which I don't think will happen, but they have him doing work. Sure, but then a guy like like you get to the point where now do you, you know if you, just you over over David Porcello not a person sure it's per, that that is a fine take yeah so if you get to the playoffs now you get to, you know Chris Sale then that second or third you know Chris Sale Drew Palmer and you get to that third start do you start a guy like Porcello who's been here a while has had some supposedly I've been told has had success I'm pretty sure you mean Rick Porcello. Am I saying David Porcello? Yes, that, I made I tried to make that joke two times. Excuse me on was. September thirteenth. I remember when I was in elementary school, I always dreamed of being on Rick Sports Radio when I grew up in Little Compton. And when I said David Porcello, I meant Rick Porcello, who's a player on the Red Sox. David Porcello is not a real person. If you're listening on the internet, Little Compton is a real place in Rhode Island. It is a real place. But (laughs) see, Dave, I'm taking it. Now, if the people of Twitter want to go out and like everybody roast jake like right now edit right rick, now and like ruthlessly roast and like jake. edit rick porcello with like a name tag that says hi my name is dave i'm gonna take it i'm not gonna call anybody racist over it well because it was not a factor you just called a dude the wrong name you see dave what? when i was a young boy i dreamed of having this kind of career where, <laughs> but you, I, could, where you could call a dude the wrong name on the air and then just keep talking about it Yep. Anyway, so David Porcello, a guy who supposedly had some success in Boston. Supposedly, because it doesn't I, exist. I've been told he's had six. So no, you get to that th- third, fourth playoff game. Do you start him 
or do you start a guy like Doug Fister, who I'm really glad Josh Percy isn't in the room right now, but a guy like Doug Fister, a guy like Eduardo Rodriguez, like who, who are the guys you go to now? Do you just want Rick Porcello completely out of the lineup because Dave has been terrible? He's just been, he really has not been good at all this year. He's had stretches where people claim he's been good, but I, once again, I don't see it because maybe Dave doesn't exist, but what do you, do you, what do you do for the rotation in the playoffs? And you kind of almost have to fear that if you're like me and you think, no, let's go with these guys who've actually been good. Like, 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 I don't know, Drew Fister, Emmanuel Rodriguez. You almost fear that, you know. Can you please start calling people their red names? Manager Fester. You're going to get like far enough down on the roster that you're going to say a name that I'm not going to recognize as wrong. Like, you know, is Manager Fester going to instead, like he does a lot of the time, like when he goes with guys like Brooke Holt over maybe guys who the team has traded for or goes for goes with guys like a good... Or I'm getting over. This is this bit is over. Yeah. When he goes with guys like a bod over a guy like Addison Reed, like you almost fear that Farrell is just gonna do what he always does, but he seems to go with the veterans that he trusts instead of the guys who are actually performing. Yeah, and, and I, I I think you sort of need to ride the hot hand in this situation, especially heading into the playoffs. And I agree with that, but you just you have that you have that in the back of your head that Farrell will be like, oh no, like Rick Porcello is, you know. One of my guys, and I no, got it. Yeah, that's probably what he's gonna do. I'm not saying he's gonna do the right thing, right? Which is the point that we're at with this guy. <laughs> so you go, well, yeah. I mean, he's not gonna do the right thing with a bad boy Red Sox. Like we don't, we don't do, we don't do what we Still we don't do what you want. That, huh? I sit here with my toothpick in my mouth and my leather jacket, and I flare it at you when you tell me to start guys who have lower ERAs in the playoffs. No, sir. Porcello had a Cy Young. Do you hear me? Whatever tough guys say. That's true. I don't know if that's a Cy Young winner. I don't know if that's how tough guys would describe a Cy Young winner. But yeah, so I'm also kind of upset that whatever the sanctions or whatever the punishment is for the bad boy Red Sox for what they did hasn't come down yet because that was going to be a solid 10, 15 minutes of content maybe. But that still hasn't come down. So thanks, Rob Manfred. I think you think you have some some time hopefully it comes down uh, in the next time. in the next 15 minutes which it yeah. won't because i have something that i want to talk about that once again i'm letting myself buy into the hype again is we're gonna transition completely away from the red sox is that the the celtics obviously have they have one after all the moves they've made trading for Kyrie, yada 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 you know the whole story they have unless you're first time listener then welcome to the stadium experience with jake elmsley wednesday four to six p.m you have they know what time it is they're listening the celtics have Maybe they just tuned in. He's like, hey, I hope this is going on for another two hours. I got to drive around this two-mile radius around Rick for the next two hours. I'm an Uber driver with a very on house. I'm an Uber driver on house arrest. So I got to operate in a very, very narrow vicinity. But anyway, the Celtics have one roster spot left. And a guy who has mystified me, stolen my heart, absolutely just kept me awake at night thinking of him. Andrew Bogut has passed, I believe it was his physical, he's been signed, he's been cleared by doctors to play, and he's, there are four teams who are rumored to be kind of involved trying to bring him in, he's a guy who would probably play for a team on a vet minimum or some sort of exception, and one of the teams that's in the mix for that is the Celtics, who after trading Ante Zizek, and kind of even before that, have 
they have a dearth of bigs. They don't have, well, not a dearth. They have the opposite. They, they're, they're small at the big positions. I mean, they have Horford. You have Morris, who can maybe be a four. Then you have short at the tall positions. Exactly. Or maybe Bayless, Baines. Damn it. I did it again. I got to make a whole other Twitter video. Baines is another guy. But outside of that, you know, they, they don't have a lot of bigs. So, you know, especially with Tony Allen being off the market, who is a guy people were talking about. He's not a big, but he's somebody who could have kind of, kind of really solidified that defensive two position for them. Andrew Bogut, and this isn't just me talking about my fanatic about my fanaticism with this man, apparently, that I had at the trade deadline last year. He is a guy who could fit onto this roster as it's constructed as, you know, a third big man off the bench who could give this team, you know, 10, maybe 15 minutes a game. Yeah. Man, if you can sign him for the veteran minimum, do it. Yeah, and I agree with that because he's a guy who, you know, you saw him his day was with Golden State. He's a big man who he's not, you know, obviously he's not a slam down rim protector but he's a he can do it he can rebound a little bit and he's a guy who can pass he's a guy who know, knows how to operate and like in golden state you know kind of a pass happy system where everybody needs to be able to move the ball and those are the kind of players that brad stevens likes so you know that's a guy who i could see this team going out bringing in and filling that last roster spot that they're trying to fill so hopefully that happens because at this point i really need my celtics andrew bogut jersey like, I need that like I need air at this point. I really, after all that, I told myself I wasn't going to buy into the hype this time, that I've been lied to and hurt by this man too many times before. But like a lot of people, I just keep coming back to Andrew Bogut. I so, think he's one of those guys that, yeah, he he can he can give you enough, and he's, he's going to be at his best on a team like the Celtics that are going to be a playoff team. Um, you know, he... he Look, he's not gonna start. He's not gonna start on any team. I don't think at this point. No, but he could. It, he could give them what they need. But he can. Know? Yeah, he can provide the Celtics a little boost off the bench, and I think that's what they need at this point. Yeah, and they need that big. They need just a last big yeah, man. Yeah, they need know? a. They do. They do. I agree completely. They need big men. They need one more guy who can come. But anyway, with all that out of the way, it's the time of day. Once again, what I bid you all adieu, you've been listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley. Thank you to Dave. Thank you to Josh Percy. Thank you for Joe Gudrid for turning in, for turning in, for calling in. Ah, another Twitter video. Anyway, this has been the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley. If you enjoyed the episode, you want to listen to it again, you want to catch some parts you missed, don't be afraid to check out the official Stadium Experience SoundCloud or download it on the official Stadium Experience iTunes. Anyway, once again, this has been the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. We will be back next week, Wednesday, 4 to 6 p.m. to discuss whatever it is that happens. Anyway, though, thank you for listening, and spay and new to your pets. Bye.